I guess I want to encourage people to like be greedy, <laughs> to take that time for themselves and try refactoring, um, you know, and and apply it. Like I said, like kind of like uh, Hynek, like have that be a little bit more of the air you breathe, uh, a part of your everyday coding. Hello and welcome to the PyBytes podcast, where we talk about Python, career, and mindset. We're your hosts. I'm Julian Sequeira. And I am Bob Beldebos. If you're looking to improve your Python, your career, and learn the mindset for success, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the PyBytes podcast. This is Bob Beldebos, and I'm here with a very special guest. With me today is Chris May. Chris, how are you doing? I'm wonderful, man. How are you? Yeah, great. Uh, it's our Monday, right? It's your 9 a.m. It's my 3 p.m. Uh, <laughs> we just the, confirmed. Starting the just, week off right. Yeah, we just confirmed we both did to gym, so we're ready, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about you, your journey, refactoring, your refactoring toolkit, and a bunch of other things. Uh, but maybe to start it off, can you uh, introduce us? Sure. Yeah. My name you. is Chris May. Yeah. Um, I'm a Python um, technical coach. Uh, I've been working in Python for over 15 years and uh, God, I love it. You know, it, it's it's amazing what you can do with Python. And I, I just am just empowered and passionate to help other people enjoy their programming lives. Nice. That's close to PyBytes, right? Helping people exactly. grow their, uh, their Python. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we go back quite a few years because I think it was 2019 that we actually met at a PyCon and yeah. uh, we were doing some sort of demo of the platform. And, uh, you know, with public speaking, when people say always get your fixed person, your anchor, uh, you know, to not be overwhelmed by the public. And for me, you were that person, right? You were, <laughs> you were very interestingly nodding along and uh, that really helped me to get over the fear of, uh, well, the fear is not gone, but with that particular presentation that was uh, that was pretty uh, helpful so i uh, just want to give awesome. you a sh shout out <laughs> thank you yeah i really enjoyed uh, what you and julian had to say so i was i was enthralled <laughs> nice i think we did some live demo of the platform or something yeah 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 cool Good and time. that's where we uh, met we kept in touch and uh, here we are yeah uh, so yeah maybe you can um Give a bit of um, what you do day to day and um, how you got into Python. And then from there on, we, we go into the refactoring. Sure. Yeah. So as a Python technical coach, I join teams on a temporary basis to kind of help them, you know, improve the way they write code, how they talk about code, um, the way that I work, I tear down knowledge silos. So essentially that like try to kind of help elevate the entire team, kind of like a rising tide, lifting all boats. And um, really just kind of help make lastive positive change to teams. Um, it's kind of exciting. And I love, I, yeah, it's, 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 I feel like it's the, the job I was born for, you know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but how I got into Python, I actually was a graphic designer. And um, as you know, I went to school to be a computer scientist, but I just couldn't understand the way that they talked about programming. And um, I would, I, I knew enough to make some websites, um, but like essentially I was always playing around with Photoshop and, um, you know, essentially long story short, I ended up switching to graphic design and like 
had a wonderful career starting with graphic design until um, so at one point uh, I started kind of the the programming bug started raising up again, and I uh, automated some stuff with uh, a programming language called AppleScript, and uh, kind of took the opportunity to like well whatever there was a business process that took a couple of like several people on my team over two weeks of working overtime to get it finished and my script saved them all that because now it would do what they did in two weeks in four hours and uh nice then i got the bug so i was like well wait a minute I can program. There's this JavaScript thing. And I, I finally found out that JavaScript was not the same as Java and uh, started coding in the front end of uh, websites. And I just, my desire kept growing to like have more power. So I wanted to do server side and just general programming. And a friend told me, hey, you should, you should learn Python. And uh, I'm so thankful for him. I really should take him out for lunch sometime to thank him for this. At the very least, yeah. Oh my goodness, it's <laughs> yeah. it's turned my life around and has given me so many opportunities. Interesting, yeah. Similar to me, how you um, really got that passion from automating and helping people and and see their reducing their their workload. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. And do you find that the because you came then from a creative background? Do you find that that's helping you in uh, problem solving? Absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting too because like you know in in graph design it's all about how can you communicate effectively but in a visual um platform. And so it was especially my first few jobs I really learned like it's that communication is key. And switching into a programmer, I really feel as though um it, like there was an article I read early on about how I, I can't remember what it's called. It was on Smashing Magazine, and it kind of re- related programming to writing prose, writing poetry, and how you can craft the code in such a way to either make more sense or you know to do whatever you want to do. And ever since then, I've really thought about, a lot about how writing programs, how how you write code, uh, communicates different things. Well, yeah, that's uh, a really nice segue into the the meat of the topic, right? Uh, refactoring <laughs> and yeah, yeah. In the prep, you had a couple of quotes um, that uh, you said that are driving you right now. So maybe yeah. you want to kick it off. Um, what those what those are? Uh, Absolutely. What those are and and why? Yeah, um, yeah. Essentially, like as I've been so to create this refactoring toolkit. Part of the reason I did it was because I have been absolutely intimidated by the idea of refactoring for a long time. And in many ways, I kind of felt like it held me back as a programmer and it held back the teams I was on. You know, when we said we would do refactoring, it seemed to be like the idea would be we did it like maybe once a year where we would send a like senior developer off on their own to like, you know, clean up part of the code or add a new dependency or maybe like a number of things all at once. And then when they were done, they would come back and then it was kind of a nightmare trying to marry their code in with ours. And, you know, it just took so much time and it was so painful. Um, but I would see these videos online of these, you know, other people in other languages or other incredible programmers who would say like how wonderful re- refactoring is. And so anyway, all that all to say is like doing that inspired me to like, I want to do research. I want to understand refactoring more. And in doing the research, I came across 
a, a few quotes that really kind of jumped out at me and is really speaking to me right now and how I write my code. Uh, so the first one was Brett Slacken. Uh, he had a 2016 PyCon US talk. And three minutes into his talk, he talked about, he put the slide up on the screen that showed like how all, essentially saying that most people write code so that it works. And as soon as it works, they walk away, they move on to the next thing. But he said that the best developers he knows continue to work on that code and refactor it to make that code obvious. And as he says, the, the best developers he knows spend up to half their time refactoring, which like the first couple of times I listened to that, I was just like, sure, whatever. But then it kind of sunk in like, whoa, wait a minute, half their time. Um, the, there's a, um, yeah, like I, I, I just blow my mind that you could, you would spend half your time that, that, that would be, you would find a return on, on the investments of, of your time to, to uh, yeah, with that. So it's the first quote. <laughs> yeah, it's um sorry if I can chime in. Um, yeah. That's interesting and it's uh it goes a little bit back to that uh, creativity part, right? Of of the artist and uh, the craftsmanship of having a stature which is a very rough and then you keep on chiseling, uh you know, making cuts to to make it beautiful, right? Because the first iteration is just this this blob, you know? And you have to keep working at it to really get that that beauty in the code, right? Uh, because at first you don't get that. You're just figuring it out. And inevitably, it's not going to be that clean, right? Exactly, yeah. And and it's really interesting, too, like the way I think about how I've worked and how I've noticed my teammates work. You Usually when we come to a piece of code with a problem that we want to solve or a new feature we want to implement... I feel like we tend to look at the code that's already there and kind of write new code that rhymes with the old code that that does similar things. You know, we don't often clean things up. We just look to say like, oh, we did it this way up here. I'm just going to kind of copy that or kind of you know do a similar thing. And do if you do that enough times, you just start slowing down and make it, it makes it harder and harder to implement new features and. Yeah, <laughs> I can see why I, it, it's kind of taken me a long time, I feel like, to re realize like by refactoring and making your code more clearer, more obvious, it can actually speed you up significantly. Yeah, kind of one step back to take two steps forward, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I've never, I feel like I've never realized, I mean, even, you know, I've spent a couple of years making this refactoring toolkit, but now that that part is done and I'm kind of refining it I'm all, and, and really trying to apply it to my life and think how it works, I'm really surprised at how much um, there, you, return you get on the investment of refactoring. Awesome. Refactoring yeah. the refactoring toolkit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am. <laughs> okay. So uh, do you want to move on to uh, the second quote? Yes. Um, so the second quote comes from Ward Cunningham. Um, he is the person who coined the term technical debt. Um, but one thing I find interesting is his definition is kind of slightly different than how we use it today. Uh, his focus to, was essentially on making code more understandable. And this, this isn't quite a direct quote from him, but, but essentially it conveys the idea he's trying to say. He said, when you finish a session, like a coding session or a feature, your code should look as if you had known you were going to do this all along and as if it had been easy to do. 
And I just thought that was such an interesting way to say this, you know, like, like it, 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 at his time he was writing in small talk. And so he specifically said it should look easy as if it was easy to do in small talk. But I'm like, how does that look, work with Python? And that's kind of part of what's really been driving me is when I'm finished with my code, when, when I'm getting ready to check in my code, I, you know, write what, you know, my, my commit message. And then I think, is it clear what my code is saying? And can I refactor it at all to make it easier, especially so like if I come back to this in six months, I can understand it like immediately, or, you know, if anybody else on my team wants to join in. And it's it's such an interesting uh, mental challenge, mental uh, exercise to go through. And I've found it very rewarding so far. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and that's also the challenge, right? When there's a lot of code to be written, a lot of features, and you go very fast to make that yes. extra time to, um, yeah, to look at it again and to make it simpler. And but yeah, in the long run, um, and we all we always come back and like, what the hell did I write? I mean, I think most of us have had that experience, right? Like coming back yeah. after a long time, and like, what does this mean, right? It's not explicit or uh, intuitive. Absolutely. And it's also a reminder to try to work in smaller increments, mm. you know, to commit more often, which like kind of phase in and out of. Um, but the more research I do, the more people are like, this helps tremendously, <laughs> the more you can commit. <laughs> yeah, the smaller the chain sets. Uh, it's also good for reviewing, right? Having smaller pull, pull requests, um, mm -hmm. the more isolated the stuff overall in software, the better. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, that one is done, right? You want to move on to uh, quote number three? Sounds great. Right. Um, so I had a conversation with Heinek Schlawak, and he told me, uh, I asked him about what he thought about refactoring, and he told me that he doesn't consider refactoring as a separate thing. It's just a result of having tests and thinking about the design of your code the whole time. And this, I think, pairs well. Like, I think all three of them really have a great synergy, right? Because this really kind of makes me think about how Brett talks about the best programmers he knows spend half their time up to half their time refactoring. And Heineck almost seems like refactoring is the air he breathes, <laughs> you know, as he's coding. And I also think kind of, I mentioned earlier about like the, what your code is communicating, you know, your, your APIs, your, the choices of whether you're using say a tuple or a list or a set all these little tiny d decisions that you make on every line of your code communicate a certain thing. And man, it, it just, it really just drives me to want to be better and to write really cool code, you know? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So the takeaway then would be to make it just part of your integral process, right? Just to don't, don't think of it as a, as a, an afterthought, right? Like make yeah. it part of your daily thing yeah workflow yeah. Right? absolutely there in, in, there's a talk i gave at pi texas um where there's a story that i talk in there which has really also inspired me where um it's about this it's, it's taken from this blog post uh this of this developer named alex everloaf and his team was just struggling under technical debt and was taking so long to get things done and they fought to get 10 percent of their time to dedicate to refactoring and improving their code. And that 10% transformed the team. You know, they their bug count 
drastically dropped. They no longer had any, like hardly any um, issues in production that would take down the servers. They they felt they enjoyed their job so much more that other teams took notice and said, "What's what changed about you? We want to do that. And they were inspired to refactor. And all this was just at 10% of their time. You know, like and it's, this was going to the, you know, the project management and saying, we need this. And the project management saying like, you know, they, that, they had a long conversation and they finally agreed on 10%. But I think like, you know, management, code management, or I should say, I'm sorry, not code management, project management leaders who are not in code, they don't understand how important it is that we have well-written code. And so I also don't think they understand the need for us to refactor. I think most of the time, most developers don't understand how much we need refactoring. And so I just, I guess I want to encourage people to like be greedy, <laughs> to take that time for themselves and try refactoring, um, you know, and, and apply it. Like I said, like kind of like uh, Hynek, like have that be a little bit more of the air you breathe, uh, a part of your everyday coding. Yeah, and that of course starts with having as well robust test suite, right? So absolutely. Uh, in a ten percent example, uh, did that team have already a test suite? Do you know? I, I believe so. Um, yes, he, they had a test suite. It wasn't necessarily like the most um, comprehensive because he did mention that in order to meet deadlines, they would cut corners and prevent and and not write certain tests. Um, but I do believe that as part of this 10%, they would go back and, you know, put in better tests. Yeah, because that that's a challenge, I think. If yeah. the code base doesn't have a test suite, then 10% might not be enough, right? You really <laughs> have to buckle down and maybe do 20, 30% to even get to a state in which you can refactor. Because if there are no tests, then uh, yeah, you cannot refactor. You will be guessing, right? And uh, yeah, but yeah, or that's, take that's a longer really, time. Yeah, but that's really great because, um, yeah, you have uh, you hit two birds with one stone, right? Like um, the refactoring will make the code more intuitive, cleaner, and that um, to get to that state, you need to have tests, which you know we all know that code with a good co test coverage is just more <laughs> reliable. So, absolutely. Uh, hey, everyone! Just a quick break for a message from our sponsors, and who's the sponsor today, Bob? Bye bites. That's us. Yes. A message from us. We're sponsoring our own podcast. And this is a message from us just to tell you go and check out the Pie Bites Developer Mindset program. It's pretty good, isn't it, Bob? Yeah. What's cool about it? It will get you the results you are looking for in your Python journey. Whatever your goal happens to be, this is the program for you when it comes to Python. We want to talk to you, we want to help you get there. And this program is going to do it. Bob, quickly, what are some of the things that people have achieved through the program? A high-performance music API, a transcoding AI SaaS app, CoinHub, an app to serve as a cryptocurrency portfolio tracker, Spike2Pi, a data science package hosted on PyPI, Payroll app, a SaaS application that simplifies payroll for small businesses. And my favorite, building confidence. Yes, <laughs> mindset. I love it. All right. If you haven't yet, click the link in the show notes, check it out, and uh, Let's get back to the episode. And to that, I was just thinking that, like, I know a lot of people, like, I've never been on a team, I've never been on a project that had, like, full tests, you know? So I, I feel as though most people who are listening to this may 
kind of feel like, you know, they're, they're in a less good place because they don't have tests. And um, I thought that uh, there was a, a, a tutorial given at this year's Python web conference that uh, Zill Gildebred um, put on. And he, I thought he had an interesting idea. He had a tool that um, I think it was, uh, well, I think Llewellyn Falco, I think, made the tool, but I think he and a number of members of the community have created it or you know made it better, but it's called Approval Tests. And what I love about it is that if you could just create a string or a JSON object, what it, like I like the idea of string, right? Because essentially, like whatever your program does, you can probably turn it into a string. And if you hand that string to a function called verify that approval test creates, it that's the easiest way you can get a test because it'll look to see what that output is, store it, and if it changes, it'll throw you know a failing test. And I thought that was a really interesting way to just like create a safety net of like minimal tests that you know like you know test what your code does. You know, a quick way to you know set up a safety net to make sure your code does continues to do what you think it does. <laughs> right. So that that's. Maybe to make it easier for people that that see the um, writing tests as, as a big hurdle. Basically, well, a test all it really is like run your code, get some meaningful output back, and then asserts that that output is some expected hard coded output, right? So exactly. Uh, the problem though is when you need to do setup and there uh, are external services and you have to do mocking. That's where it uh, gets gets a bit complex. But I think yeah, there's definitely this. Um, a couple of things that plague us as uh, as developers and in the industry is like that perfectionism, like uh, 100% test coverage or nothing, you know, or <laughs> yeah, uh, premature optimization. Like these, mm -hmm. these are just things that we inherently uh, suffer from. But I'm with you, right? Like um, as long as we can validate the code, um, have, you know, the most important things run automatically and test it, then, then we're fine. And that might mean that it's not always 100%. You can have a very good test suite that's 80%, right? It's, it's really like Pareto, focus on the 80-20, as long as you can verify. That's kind of your point as well with, um, how do you call them? The verification test, right? Or Yeah, the approval test was the, approval is the yeah. Um, yeah. package. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, yeah, anything else you want to say about refactoring overall or maybe your, your toolkit specifically? I guess so. I'll, I can talk a little bit about my toolkit. Um, it yeah. is the. It's not a, quite an ebook. the The idea I decided to to go with is it's an Obsidian Vault. Uh, Obsidian is a free so a piece of software, a free program that essentially like you take Obsidian and you open up a folder of Markdown files, and it does this great thing where it essentially makes it like hypertext where you, know, you can put links and links to different notes. And I did that because, you know, it, there's so many times where you don't know exactly what you need to do. And, you know, but I, ha you know, I, I have like all these code, code smells in there. So you can kind of like click through them and see like, oh, is this what what's going on? And if so, like it has recommendations for all these refactoring methods that you can do. So all this to say is like, it's very searchable. It's very easy to jump from one place to another. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's it's incredible, you know. In fact, like as you were saying, that was thanks to um, Hynek's talk at um, PyCon um, US this year. I realized, okay, I need to change a couple of my refactoring methods, so I'm actively refactoring it and helping to to have another release of it <laughs> in the next few days. Um, and it's yeah, it's just kind of going back through it. It's just 
yeah, I, I'm just excited to help people learn how to refactor and enjoy it. Yeah, I found that uh, format really uh, interesting. Uh, I think I asked you, can I can I export it as a <laughs> Kindle uh, Mobi file? But it, it's really cool that you can click through it, and and it's so interactive in a sense, right? Um, are there also like exercises paired with it? Uh, just not curious. yet. That is something I am planning on doing. Um, yeah. So okay. so yeah, keep your eyes out for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll link uh, all this below, of course, um, if you're watching on YouTube uh, or in the show notes. Uh, also, your your excellent talk, uh, Pi Texas, really enjoyed that. Uh, Thank you. Covered a lot of this, of course. That uh, was really good. Uh, Thank yeah. you very much. So I think that's it for the. Sorry, go on. I was just gonna say, and there's a free sample as well, because you know, I think, you know, I I know not everybody's in a position where they can spend you know thirty forty dollars on a thing. Um, so I kind of grabbed a you know good subsample of the the articles in there as a free sample so you can see if it's for you that's awesome cool we'll, we'll make sure we link that below and uh yeah thanks for sharing that yeah so uh as your first time on the PyBytes podcast i have to ask uh, how important is mindset for a developer i think it's absolutely critical you know um i was just in fact i was just talking with my wife the other day uh about how 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 our mindset really affects everything. Like I I in particular, I was just thinking about like how often we say we want to code in an agile agile method or with agility, so that when things change, because <laughs> things always change, that we can adjust our code to do that. But I think about like my career and and seeing some of my colleagues. When th some ch changes come up, it's like, oh God, why do we have to do that? Why did they make this decision? You know, but as somebody once told me, why do we like we humans really just don't know what we want? You know, we may say we know what we want, but when we see it, we're like, oh, actually, no, that's I may have said that's what I wanted, but now that I see it, I realize it's something else. And he said we shouldn't um, uh, penalize people for re having that realization, and. It kind of made me like just that statement in and of itself helped me to like next time I had a change request to say like, okay, you know what? We're going to make this better. It's going to be a much better product for making this change. And I don't know, just having that mindset just has freed me, <laughs> I feel, from years of just, uh, I don't know, having that drama of another change. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting. It's um, also recognizing that how we humans are, right? We can be very uh, ambivalent, uh, and inevitably, that's going to ripple through in the software. That a feature yeah. on day one might not be the feature day two, and everything is changing. And you have to be very open-minded about that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, everything changes, and and I think that's part of I mean, not to tie it back to refactoring, but like it's so true. Like that's why we part of the reason why we need to refactor is to make our code flexible enough, especially when we come to our code and with a new direction that we can refactor to make our code flexible to to support the new direction. And yeah, it's critical. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's that's a great uh, conclusion. Like uh, software is, it has to be um, malleable, right? It's it's yeah. it's always going to change inevitably, right? And absolutely, refactoring will just make it more robust um, or more malleable, right? That that when those inevitable changes um, are coming, you don't have to <laughs> rewrite the whole thing, basically. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So what are you reading right now? Right now I'm reading Building a Second Brain by Tiago Forte. Um, essentially it's, you know, I, I mentioned Obsidian before he, uh, the, what I'm trying to do with it is create a second brain. And in some ways I have, like it is Obsidian is my, my treasure trove of everything. I, I find all the mental things I find valuable. So I have, so I like my refactoring toolkit started as a, as a folder in my Obsidian vault and I've got, you know, tons of Python snippets and articles and all the all my thoughts in there and and um tiago uh yeah created this book to kind of help people you know have this second brain this kind of digital brain that can kind of help you throughout your your life achieve more and um i'm I'm really excited to kind of i've learned a little bit from him about like how he's he views it and i'm like yes i want more (laughs) so uh i'm 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 in the midst of reading that cool well, I'm going to pick that up then because I'm not that good at note taking. Um, <laughs> at most, yeah. I have a to do list and I just get up issues. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm probably missing out because Obsidian seems like like a power tool, right? So, absolutely. And one thing I like about uh, 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 Tiago is he he helps give you the tools to figure out which um, note making program is right for you, whether it's Notion, Obsidian. You know, there's a ton of them. Uh, Evernote. I think he uses Evernote. Um, you know, there's a ton of them out there. So um, it, it, I love that his advice is just kind of general and spans the whichever tool you want to use. Yeah, because we are all different in that sense, right? Because uh, Julian was saying, by the way, Julian sends his regards. I couldn't be here <laughs> this time, but he yeah. would love to be on. Um, one day. But yeah, one day, yeah. We'll, we'll get together, three, the three of us. Uh, but you're saying like, oh, you just work with GitHub issues. I, I I wish my brain was as simple as yours in that sense, because for me, it's like issue open, issue closed, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas other people really need to, you know, tag them or group them. And uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's different for, for everybody. But um, I've, I'm hearing a lot of good things about Obsidian. So and again, I really like how you put that together with the toolkit. Uh, a very different format. Um, yeah, so... That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, so Chris, amazing. Uh, thanks for sharing all this. I, f- I feel we have covered uh, quite a bit in just 25 minutes or so. Uh, mm-hmm. But is there any final shout out or um, thing you want to share or where can people find you, how to connect with you? Yeah. Um, um, any, any links we can put? Absolutely. My website is everydaysuperpowers.dev. That's also the name of my company because that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, right? Like I, there have been several times where I felt like I had superpowers when I learned something new in Python. And so that's that's what I want to do is give you the superpowers you can use every day. So I've got my blog there. My the Python refactoring toolkit is at everydaysuperpowers.dev slash toolkit. It's a quick way to get there. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at underscore Chris May, though. These days, I'm more on Mastodon at fostadon.org uh, underscore Chris May. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm the number one Chris May because apparently there are a number of Chris Mays out there. <laughs> so I had to come up with something unique. Um, but yeah, like I and, and additionally, like like I am very passionate. I love helping people. Um, so like if you have a question about refactoring or uh, or want help, like um, like exercises for Refactor, reach out to me. Uh, I even have a, a Discord server that you can get to through my everydaysuperpowers.dev website. And man, I'd love to to help you on your journey to to become more a Refactor. 
Well, that's awesome and very generous. Um, so thanks for that. You're also in the PyBite Slack, right? I am. I am. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if uh, I guess a section of this audience will be in that community as well. So then they can also uh, yeah. ping you there. Yeah, please do. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, this was great fun. Uh, yeah. I hope you could share everything you wanted to share about this uh, fascinating topic as well. And Absolutely. Um, we can always do a part two. Yeah. New things come up. So. Yeah, I could I could maybe get into a little more detail on some of the 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 um the refactoring methods that mean the most to me. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do a follow up at some point and and go more into the the meat of the actual refactorings. That will be fun. Maybe do like five favorite ones you you, you use over and over again. Like maybe an extract method or something. We we use that a lot, right? Like to anyway, we'll 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 figure that out. <laughs> Sounds good. And hey, Bob, thank you for all your work, man. It, it it's amazing, like what you do, you and Julian and your entire team. I really appreciate what you guys do. So thanks for your time and effort. Thanks so much. Yeah, we uh, we've been going strong after six years. <laughs> yeah, it's so impressive to see what you guys have built. I'm I'm, I'm very excited for you. Um, inspired by you and um yeah and and i even remember when i there was a the audience doesn't know this but there was a book that i started writing i don't know years ago and you very much encouraged me to to get that out there and i haven't <laughs> but i have put the refactoring toolkit out there so I yeah really we appreciate were your very happy when we saw you launch that because we 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 knew that you had something in the making right and and seeing you launch it it's just it's amazing and and again uh, everybody go watch chris talk the pytaxos one um, just an amazing talk. So I was really, uh, yeah, I Thank was you. really impressed how you uh, did that. So, rock on. Cool. Well, Chris, have a great day. Thanks again for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Sounds great. All right. Cheers. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To hear more from us, go to pybyte slash friends. That is pybit.es slash friends and receive a free gift just for being a friend of the show. And to join our thriving Slack community of Python programmers, go to pybytes slash community. That's pybit.es forward slash community. We hope to see you there and catch you in the next episode.